speaking truth to power on all platforms. You're listening to Sanity with Jesse Wire. I believe that humanity is at the precipice of an evolutionary leap. Our chosen character structures will determine whether we move forward and make progress or whether we move backwards to our demise. Join me on my journey as we work to move humanity forward. Greetings listeners. Today I'd like to discuss some more current events. As I'm recording this podcast, the former president, number 45, is going through an impeachment trial right now at the Capitol building. And I use going through a trial loosely because, of course, unlike the rest of us, the president does not have to be present while he's being tried. So common people like you and I, we get to go to court and sit there and sweat as we hear the accusations being thrown at us and have little power or control to do anything about it. So this Senate trial that he's going through started yesterday and also unlike a trial that the rest of us common people have to go through, the first day of the trial was spent discussing whether the trial itself was constitutional, which again, It must be awfully nice for number 45, also known as the one who shall remain nameless. Doesn't need to sit there and sweat and listen to the accusations. And he gets the benefit of the first argument being, should there even be a trial in the first place? Now, I've seen a lot of trials in person and read about a lot of trials in my legal studies program and watched a lot of trials on TV. And not many of them start off with, should we even be here in the first place? Usually that's a given. So nonetheless, today is day two of the trial and evidence is being presented against number 45. And let me tell you, the evidence is quite damning. Numerous, hundreds in fact, uh, constitutional scholars uh, got together and went over the case that the president's lawyers will be using in his defense. And all of them agree, they don't have a case. There really is no argument. There's no protection for the president under certain laws. They're going to have to go around the laws and basically make excuses for the president's involvement in inciting a riot on the United States Capitol. Because you see, the First Amendment protections on freedom of speech do not protect the most powerful individual in the world from inciting a riot on the Capitol and attempting to overthrow the will of the people with the use of force. That's not protected, and that's clear. So the Democrats are making this case, and the case will be solid. And the defense will skirt around the issues and try to portray the president's actions as 
something much less than they actually were. And all it will really do is reek of excuses and insensitivity. And I would hate to be on his defense team, really. You know, I understand that it's out of respect for the judicial process that somebody uh, has a right to a defense. But this is, this is one of those where you will go down in history defending a man who brought the country to its knees during a very vulnerable time. And I don't know that I would want to be involved in that despite the need for a judicial process. So the first night, his first lawyer didn't really make a very good argument. He just kind of rambled on and on and didn't make much of a case, so much to the point that number 45, the one who shall remain nameless, got upset, got upset. But isn't it nice that, you know, instead of sweating in the, in the chambers while you're being trialed, you can sit at home in your mansion and watch it on TV or maybe just have it in the background. Isn't that real nice? But, you know, all of his supporters will say, oh, that poor man, that poor, poor man, he's, he's so persecuted. He's in his, he should be allowed to be in his mansion in Florida with the air conditioning, having his trial on in the background and arguing, complaining, and expecting not to be held accountable. Which, unfortunately, there is a good chance that he won't be held accountable in the sense that he won't be convicted and removed from uh, the title of president and all the benefits that come with it, even after you've served your terms. So that's unfortunate that and that that is part of the reason why these things happen in the first place, because there's no accountability. And men like Trump know that. And they get away with so much because they have the money and the power to do so. But the Democrats move forward and there's going to be some form of justice. I hope that he gets removed from office from the title. And I hope that he loses all of those benefits, and I hope that he can't run again. That would send a clear message that this sort of behavior in a president is unacceptable, is unacceptable and will not be tolerated again in the future. That's what I hope for. And there's a possibility that this trial will be so solid and so damning that when the Republicans, many of whom don't even think there should be a trial, see it, they'll have to make a choice. Number one, they may look at this case and say, oh, that evidence is so real and in your face that I, I can't argue it anymore. I can't be a part of that. I can't defend this disgusting behavior. I will take a stand. Even if it means losing votes, I have to take a stand and let my constituents know that I'm here to serve them in their best interests even if they don't recognize what their own best interests are. So there may be that. Or they may simply calculate it and say, if I side with this, because already there seems to be a trend where Republicans are changing a party, changing party affiliation, that they will say, you know, I have to vote to 
remove Trump from his title, because if I don't do that, I'm not going to be reelected because the trend is against me now. In 2022, if I vote in favor of Trump, sorry, number 45, then I risk losing my reelection because the country is going to recognize in because of this trial, the truth. They're going to see it. They're going to see it. It's all going to be presented for them. And frankly, I've been saying that two years, not really one year now, well, a little over a year, a little under two, it's going to be in context now. People aren't going to be in the middle of it. They're not going to be in shock anymore. They're going to have let it all sink in and be able to think about it for what it is. Those people who actually think, not those who are resistant to thought. So there will come a reckoning one way or the other. Because as I sat and watched this trial, they had some more video of the Capitol riots. And I think when a lot of us watched it as it was happening, the footage didn't show you in raw detail what was going on. A lot of it just looked like people going in the front door, then getting inside without a purpose, kind of just wandering around aimlessly kind of just being disrespectful but not necessarily violent and during this impeachment trial if you haven't watched it uh, I encourage you to watch it Uh, turn it on and if you miss any of it I'm sure they will play uh, video of uh, what's been recorded already watch it because that storming of the capitol building was violent, disturbing, disgusting, and depressing. And I don't feel that my words can even describe it well enough. You have to see it. I mean, you had people who, again, were not oppressed. Were not, nothing was done to them or taken from them. Nothing, there was no abuse or harm. To these people, these were people who simply felt threatened by the changes that are occurring in society, felt threatened in their ego, not in their actual life or property, but only in their ego did they feel threatened. And that caused them to bust down barriers as law enforcement tried to resist and push them back. They busted those barriers, barriers down and chanted things like, Fuck the blue. Fuck the blue. Fuck the blue. These are people who had flags that talked about supporting the blue and backing the blue. But as their entitlement came to a peak, they determined, fuck the blue. You see, because it was never about blue lives, right? I've said that before. It's never about blue lives. It was about using blue lives to force, to use force against those communities that they felt threatened by, not in life or property, but in their ego. They wanted to use the police as a tool, not to respect the life and the job of law enforcement. You see, so there's that. So they ran up in there charging, crushing, crushing a a human being up against the door 
a horde crushing a, uh, law enforcement up against the door. Now, many people that watch this maybe don't understand, but that is a lot of force on a body. People get, when there's stampedes that occur, people get trampled to death by feet. Feet, no, not stomped to death. Nobody's stopping and stopping these individuals. They're just running over them. And that, that's basically what was happening to this law enforcement officer as he cried out for help. As he cried out for help and his cries were ignored. So it's all, it's all cute when you're just, uh, you know, uh, rioting and, you know, it's property and nobody's getting harmed. But when somebody's crying for their life and you don't back off, that, that to me is evil, pure evil. You don't hear this man crying for his life. Grown man, grown law enforcement individual, the toughest among us, crying in pain. Maybe crying because he wants to see his family again. But no, we don't care. We're trying to get up into the Capitol building, into the chambers, so that maybe we can kill some politicians. You know, so so you've got these law enforcement officers and they're dealing with this and and they're they're attempting to stop these people who have no intention of backing down and who are acting like wild animals. And they're not acting like wild animals because they've been backed up against the wall. They're acting like wild animals because they want to oppress and they want to instill fear and they want to control because they work in tandem with evil, with Satan. That's what they do. So that's what's in these videos. And I'm telling you, when you watch these videos, they will change you. They will make, that evil will attempt to creep up inside your heart and in your mind as you watch this because it's depressing and it brings you down and it makes you feel hopeless and it makes you hurt for humanity and it makes you wonder if your work is worthwhile. It makes you wonder those things. But your work is worthwhile. Our work is worthwhile and this is tough to watch but we stand up in strength and we call it out and we work to hold it accountable. We don't let that same force that they use to bust down the Capitol apply force and pressure to us to just skip over it. And any attempt to hold it accountable, call it cancel culture. Because that's more force. That's more abuse. That's kicking you down, beating you while you're down. Then when you attempt to fight back, telling you, get over it. Get over it. So we're... We're here to fight. We're here to fight and we're here to recognize what's going on. And I encourage you to watch the impeachment trial because not only will you find out about Trump and his involvement in this riot, but you'll also learn how the process works. And that's important because our government needs all eyes on it at all times, all eyes, because those are our representatives and we voted them in and we need to watch and make sure that they're doing what we expect them to do and not in some sort of uh, controlling way in which we use them to defend our poor behaviors, but to make sure they are behaving correctly and looking out for what's right. But briefly, I don't know if they'll bring it up in the trial, but for those who think that Trump isn't involved directly in this because you know his speech was hyperbole, they're already making the case that that's obviously not true if you can't tell already, but don't, I'm not stupid. You know, I, I read and there's plenty of evidence that 
in his hotels, he is meeting with the leaders of these sorts of organizations. In the debate where he told the Proud Boys to stand down and stand by after they asked if he would denounce them, why do you think he said that? Do you think because they are some unfamiliar organization that he just wants to throw a bone to and, and uh, mention? No. They're meeting up in Trump Tower. And if they're not meeting with him directly, because, you know, that's foolish. Like, no, no uh, criminal mastermind meets directly with, with the thugs. It's either his, it's his family or it's other politicians or it's people on his payroll. They are meeting in his towers and they are planning things. And for anybody who thinks otherwise, you're, you're being naive. And for those who support him, you know, you know what's up. You'll sit here and deny it. We know your games. We know the games that you play. You'll deny it. But you know you know what's up, and I know what's up. And I'm not going to back off of this. I know you would like me to back off of it, but I'm not going to back off because there's work to do. And speaking of work, I'd like to mention some others that are in current events that are doing good work and that are getting all kinds of attacks from the right. Trump supporters and Republicans and some some people on the left who, when they work, they're met with all sorts of uh, insults and accusations that are not appropriate. And one of the first ones I want to discuss a little bit about is Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams is a politician or was a politician in Georgia who has made it her life's work to ensure that minorities and disenfranchised individuals are able to vote. And in this country, that doesn't, to many, that doesn't seem like an issue, voting. If black people want to vote, let them suit up and go to the polls. It's not a big deal. Like where I vote here in Canandaigua, New York, I go two miles up the road and I pull into the parking lot and I walk in. There's literally no line. I go right in there. I sign a piece of paper and I vote. And then they put it in a machine and I witness that. And they give me, they tell me that it went through and I see that in the machine. And they give me a sticker and they say, have a nice day. And that's it. So that's a lot of people's experience in this country with voting. Very simple, very easy. But that is not everybody's experience. And there are communities in this country, black people, Hispanic people, Native American people, disabled people, poor people, who do not have that experience. And they don't have that experience not because of some indirect uh, cost that comes with being in poverty. That's part of it. But that's not the main reason. They're having a different experience because there are actual politicians and government employees in certain states that are actively working to suppress their will and their vote. Actively going out of their way to make sure that these populations are not represented. And... You know, the, that should not be a shock to people. I know that there's a large portion of the population that would like to pretend that who's got time for all of that? 
Who's got time for all that going out of their way to manipulate votes? Going all out of their way to make it harder for people to vote? Who's got time for all that? Why would they do that? Why would our wonderful white Republican officials do such a thing? Well, because politics is cutthroat. That's why. We're not going to buy into that excuse. Like, what? They would never. Why would they do such a thing? Don't they? It's democracy. Don't they? They just want people to vote just like anybody else. We're not going to buy into that argument because that argument is foolishness because it's about power and it's cutthroat. And they do this because they can, because it ensures that they can stay in power and have influence because power means a lot, doesn't it? Power means the accumulation of wealth. It means protection from those who would attempt to take our wealth or those who would attempt to make us less wealthy. Power comes with prestige. Power comes with privilege. So, of course, they're doing this. Of course they are. And they've got all kinds of tactics that they use. All the way from registration down through to how the votes are counted in the end. All kinds of manipulation. And I can't go into detail on all of them. But there's there's things that if you want to know, you can read up on. Because the evidence is there. And that's the thing about it. They don't want you to know about it, but the evidence is readily available. So, for one, they want a lot of times they want to make it harder to register. So they they do things like they attach uh, requirements to registration, requirements that are harder for the minority community to uh, take take hold of, such as getting an ID, right? Like. All these things maybe seem simple to those who grew up, but that's your privilege. That's you you living in a society where you have the ability to accomplish things without too much work. But getting an ID in poor areas where the DMV may be 20 miles away and you don't have a vehicle or any means to get there is, a, is an obstacle. If there's a fee attached to the ID, that is an obstacle. So... Making an ID requirement and saying it's in order to prevent fraud when there's very little evidence of fraud is just a step that Republican leaders take because it sounds reasonable, but it's very insensitive to the needs of the disenfranchised. So, there, you know, that's that's the part of registration. Then then a lot of these states have made it so that groups that attempt to get people registered to assist them are not allowed. They're they're illegal. And they are challenged left and right. Uh, so there's that. And there's there's a lot of once, you know, you, you register your paperwork going missing, you register online and you get a confirmation and then you go to vote and they say that you're not in the system. So, you know, all of these games that they play and maybe you say, oh, well, you know, the, if they if the Democrat lost it's because they're, you know, it, it can't be because of one of those things. No, it's not one of those things. It's all of those things combined can lead up to thousands of votes not being counted. You know, and, the, and then the actual counting of the votes, just, you know, a, a signature didn't, um, didn't line up, you know, or a provisional ballot. Sorry, we don't have any more. Or, you know, the, the lines being extra long and people have to work, all of these things. So there, and that's the point. Every step of the way, there is some sort of 
blockade, something getting in the way. And Stacey Abrams is just trying to make it a smooth process, a smooth process. And people want to hate on her for it. People want to hate her, mainly because she's black, mainly because she's black, but also because she's trying to give black people a voice and have their will and their needs reflected in our political system. Now, to me, this is like some when you get down to it, you learn that this racism, it, it's just as insidious as it was years ago. It's just changed. But you got, you know, if you're incarcerating black people and finding a, a million different ways to make sure that they can't vote, how much has, have things actually changed then from slavery? How much have things actually changed? You got police oppression, you've got mass incarceration, and you've got their will silenced in the voting booth. What, how much has really changed? That's hard for people to hear. That's hard for people to hear because they see, you know, black people in positions of power or black people with decent jobs. You know, and that's a lot of that is just appearance. You don't know where they came from or how they actually live and what they're fighting for. So just because it's good for you and you have privilege doesn't mean it's good for everybody. So when you see Stacey Abrams, figure out what she's doing and support her. Support her because all she's trying to do is make democracy for everybody. You know, you, you want to make it, you want to say, oh, these people are all about race all the time. Race, 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 race. No, she's not about race. You're about race. You're the ones that are about race. You don't want to verbalize it, but your actions speak louder than your words. You make it all about race. We all want to get over race. Black people want to get past the race issue. We're talking about race in the context of overall lifting up of humanity and democracy. So Stacey Abrams is trying to have a democratic system for all. Otherwise, you don't have an actual democratic system. So it benefits everyone when the least of us are able to vote. So work along with her. And there's plenty that do. But if you're listening to this and this is striking you different than usual, then hear what I'm saying. Look into what she's doing, respect it, and work along with her. So that's Stacey Abrams. So you've got her. And then I want to go on to another one that's doing good work in the face of capital riots and oppression. And that's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC. Now I want to mention her because recently in the news, she opened up about her experience in the Capitol. She was there when the rioting occurred. And... When she opened up about it, she also mentioned that she had been a victim of uh, sexual harassment in her past and trauma. And she also, so she wanted to tie those together to say, you know, this experience is traumatic. And I went through this traumatic experience in the Capitol building and I thought that I was going to die. So this woman opened up about her trauma in her life. And that is a very vulnerable position. And, and when I see that, I see bravery and I see beauty and I respect it because it's hard to do. It's hard to be vulnerable and strong at the same time. And she put herself out there because it's important to discuss your trauma. You have to get it out there. That's the, way you, that's the only way you can heal from it. Otherwise, you hold it in. And it traumatizes you 
over and over again when you don't get it out. So I respect her for what she did. And we need to hear those stories because we need to be sensitive to what she's saying. Because we want to respect women. And we want to respect those who historically have been oppressed. And we want to understand and we want to open our hearts to them. And we want to help them. And we, we don't want to tell their story for them. We don't want to tell them how they should feel and what they should do. So she opened up. And sure enough, even in the face of trauma that a woman went through, they were so insensitive that they accused her of lying about the Capitol riot and her experience. Because it didn't line up with where they thought she should have been in the building at the time. Again, insensitive and trying to tell her story for her, which is ignoring her trauma and trying and also ignoring her humanity, trying to not recognize where she's coming from. And I looked at that and that disgusted me. That is absolutely disgusting. And I can't recall the woman's name right now, but there's a, a, a black woman who's on the right. And she came out and, and led this, this idea that, that AOC was lying. And I'm looking at this like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? You, a female, a black female, would come out and uh, basically do, do some mansplaining to AOC. You've got to be kidding me. Now, she gets paid for this. So, you know, I that's probably part of it. But I, I can't believe that people would do this. And, you know, it's funny because I just recently had a, an experience and I had a similar response, right? I, I'm African-American, I'm black, and my wife is white. And I have had all sorts of experiences in my life where... If I go out in public, I get looks. I get sneered at by both white and black who have a problem with people that are in a interracial relationship or biracial relationship. So I said yesterday because I went out to eat and they sat us in a back corner. And normally I like to give myself the white explanation for this which is it's all good right i'm getting i'm seated away from everybody that's kind of how i like it anyways you know uh i'm sure it's just a matter of what's available it's not a big deal okay that's normally my attitude about that and when i say normally i'm talking about my whole my whole restaurant eating life okay i'm 38 years old i've been going out to eat for quite a long time and that's been my mindset uh because my Nature is non-confrontational. But I saw, I, yesterday it struck me because it, it's happening so often. I'm, we're either seated near the kitchen, we're either seated near the bathroom, or we're seated in literally a corner away from everybody. And now I'm starting to question. Now I don't, I didn't jump out of my seat and accuse because I'm still trying to figure this out. You know, I'm not an expert on restaurant seating. <laughs> I'm just saying that it's been me in some weird seats for a long time that I'm starting to wonder. Because I know 
historically speaking, how people feel about interracial couples. I know how they feel. There's, it's one thing that's, that racist white people can't stand is when you come out of your race and you marry into the white race. They don't like it. They don't like it. Historically speaking, that was a major violation. Historically speaking, in the redemption period, that would get you lynched. Even if you didn't do that, even if you weren't in an interracial relationship, it was used as a reason to lynch an innocent person. He raped that white lady. He Because, you know, black people just going around raping, raping white women. Like, that makes any sense. And, of course, that was projecting because during slavery, white men were, in fact, raping black slaves. So it's projection for those of you who aren't familiar with projection. So I bring this up and then I got to get my 38 year old black self has to get lectured by a younger white individual about what my experience is trying to tell me, well, maybe if you just accepted the fact that you could enjoy your private spot at the restaurant. Maybe if you could just do that. Or maybe if you didn't think that the whole world was against you. You know? And it's like, dude, come on. I I wasn't born yesterday, nor did I come out of myself and act a fool. So you're being aggressive right now. And of course, you know, this was on Facebook in the comments. And for some reason, people like this like to use exclamation points after every thought. So I'm getting exclamation points in all of this. And it's like, come on, man, you, you were the aggressor. I, I said, I had a thought. I said, I'm starting to think, I don't know anything yet, but I'm starting to think I'm starting to feel. And you saw vulnerability and you decided to jump on that. You decided to jump on it. You thought you could sun me in that moment, which is interesting because you're younger than me. So I'm just like, wow. Okay. Interesting. I appreciate you trying to sun me. And I appreciate all these people who think because they can rub a couple brain cells together that they formed the right conclusions. So you read some books. So you, you studied a little bit, right? So you formulated some arguments. Good for you. That's a start. That's a start. I'm glad that you are able to read and write and, and uh, develop some thoughts. Like I said, rub, rub some brain cells together. But that does not mean that you form the right conclusion. So just because you come at me a certain way about things, like an intellectual uh, approach, doesn't mean you've won anything. Doesn't mean that you've convinced me of anything. There's plenty of intellectuals forming the dead wrong conclusion, oppressive conclusions in an intellectual fashion. So just because you first heard a conspiracy theory and then you got online and you were like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm starting to understand things now. Wow, yeah, I feel I feel good. I, I've thought more now about things than I've ever thought in my life. This is what it is. I'm really doing the right thing. No, you're not. You've only begun to do the right thing. Now it's time to take your conscience and your moral compass with you and determine whether what you're concluding is right. Is right. And that that is what being smart is about. And then after that, you don't get to be a Facebook warrior. You got to get out and actually do some work. 
once you've made the right conclusion, you don't get to sit around and uh, stroke your ego about how smart you are because you read a couple couple of things and maybe cracked into a book and uh, read a few pages and formulated a fairly decent argument. Because that's that's what Congress on the right is doing these days. They're not even making good arguments. They don't even put in the work. There's, they got so much privilege and they're so used to just getting what they want that they don't even have the level of, uh, of accomplishment that is required to practice law and to make arguments. We saw that with Rudy Giuliani. It, 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 like, when did the law become a joke? Well, I'll tell you when it became a joke. When law school was more about are mommy and daddy rich and are they privileged and uh, can I buy my way through and half-ass my way through law school? Pass an exam because I have a fairly decent IQ and then practice law with no moral compass. Never developed a moral compass along the way because frankly, it, it comes through a struggle. It comes through a struggle. That's where you get your moral compass from. So, AOC. And you know, there's more, there's, there's others that they're hating on right now. Bernie Sanders, who's trying to get people to have a minimum wage, and it's not even where it should be. He's just doing what he thinks is politically expedient at $15 an hour, but it's better than nothing. They still want to hate. They still want to hate. And then I saw, I saw a post talking about Biden is trying to ruin your family, finances, and freedom. And I just realized there's three Fs there, so, yeah, I guess... I guess whoever made that meme and made it go viral with their money uh, thought people, it would ring in people's ears a little bit better if it, if, if it had three Fs. Family, freedom, and finances. But it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous because the man's actually doing the opposite of that. You just don't like it because he's trying to bring everybody into it. He's trying to lift up those you feel threatened by who are of no threat to you. Just your ego. Just your ego. Black people are not going to steal your wealth. Black people are not going to attack your family. They're not going to limit your freedom. Nor is Biden. He's going to put money in your bank account. And money talks and bullshit walks. Let's say that again. Money talks, bullshit walks. Okay? So when there's money in your bank account, that's doing the talking. And you talking about he's hurting your finances is the bullshit walking. It's nonsense. He's not only giving you money in a crisis, and he's not really giving you money. He's giving, you, he's giving us our money back. But not only during a crisis, but he's saying families with children could use it. Could use it for daycare because the price of daycare is a joke. People got to quit jobs to take care of their kids. Or work a job and give their entire paycheck over to daycare. And that's just ridiculous. So how is he destroying families if he's assisting families and able, being, making them able to go to work and that their children are looked after? How is he doing that? And how is he destroying your freedom if he is making it so that it's easier to vote for all people, for more people to have their needs reflected? He's not. That's a racist, out of context post that some billionaire funded to go viral. These ain't going viral because me 
or you or I did, uh, posted it and it's so popular. No, these are, these are rich people trying to manipulate you and you buy into it. It's nonsense. He's trying to help you. Not that billionaire who made that post go viral. So let's get with it. So when we see number 45 on trial, let's recognize the problem. Let's recognize the death and destruction and hopelessness of that man and the mob that he led to the Capitol building. Let's recognize that. Let's put that behind us. And let's, let's do our best to heal from it because we have to, because we were traumatized. Those people, we're not weak. We're not uh, crybaby liberals. We're sensitive human beings who, when we see death and destruction and depression and hopelessness, it hurts our soul because we see our fellow man suffering. We see the officer getting crushed against the door, but we see that mob with such darkness in their hearts. And that also hurts us because we care about people in general. We care about that mob too. We care that their soul has gone to that dark place and it troubles us. We don't want anybody to be there. So what do we do? What do we do when we see that? We do work. We do work like the people I've mentioned on this episode. We do work and that's how we move on. We move forward and we try to serve humanity. We speak the truth. We speak the truth for all people, not for one race, not for one race. But if there is an oppressed race, we must speak of them. We must lift them up. If we are to lift us all up, if we are to lift humanity up, if we are to make sure our souls are in the right place. And that is how we move beyond the pain and suffering and the trauma, because we are still in shock and we are still sore and we are still recovering from this, but we will recover. We will recover because we will work and we will rehabilitate ourselves and we will move forward together. And that is what sanity is all about. That's what sanity with Jesse Wire is all about. And I ask that you listen to these episodes and that you move forward with me, that we join hands and we move forward and that we heal together. And that when we come out on the other side, we are stronger and we've evolved. And we do this in love. We do this in love. So listener, will you go on that journey with me? Will you consider the needs of the forgotten? Will you hold the perpetrators accountable? Will you forgive when it's appropriate, when there's clear remorse and a desire to move forward? after accountability has been had. Will you forgive? And can humanity move forward? Listener, I thank you again for joining me on my podcast. And I look forward to moving forward in this journey together with you. God bless. Until next time. Having the conversations that lead to positive change. This has been another edition of Sanity with Jesse Wire. Sanity with Jesse Wire is brought to you by Spotify in partnership with SMM Productions. So please meet